We don't want to block in your face. Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 49 of Burgers and Booze. My name is Chris Ward with Eagle Realty and, of course, my constituents. Billy H. with Sands Realty. Nick Sowers with Beach Connection Realty. And one of my favorites, Red Wine, is on our agenda red wine. for today. Mr. Yates, or Mr. Sowers is what I'm going to say. What do we got? Um, we have the David Arthur Napa Valley Proprietary Red Wine from 2016. Now, what's key about this is it is the Wine Tech's Wine of the Year for 2020. Um, it's impressive. 2016 Napa Cab. Can't go wrong. No, it's not a cab. It's a blend. I mean blend. Sorry. Yeah, it's a blend. Um, if you guys remember, we did another bottle on a previous episode that was the Mertaggio that was by David Arthur as well, which they had a whole story behind that on how we got the wine that day. <laughs> but it ended up being an excellent wine. So I have not tried this yet. I don't think Bill's tried this yet. I think Chris has. I did. This was our New Year's Day dinner wine. So I'm excited to see because the Mertaggio is excellent. I mean, that was one of the best wines I had in the past year. So I'm this excited to see if higher this. than the Mertaggio, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Okay. This um, retails... I'm looking at Vivino, 78 bucks a bottle, average price. So probably what restaurant you're looking at? What? Oh, one, 170, 180. 170, 180 so restaurant. Like so wine text, got to give them credit. We got this for less than 30 a bottle. Yeah. 30, oh, my gosh. It yeah. Was so <laughs> so <laughs> it was a deal. That's a giant win. We bought a case. I case, mean, no shipping. Like, because Bill said. <laughs> Just in always case. buy a case, just in case. Quality and quantity, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. quality by quantity. So I'm excited. Um, what do you smell? Well, cheers. I don't know. Do you, want, do you want to cheer in this? Oh, no. Cheers. Right. cheers. Ooh, that sounds good. Ooh. Um, we did let it breathe for about an hour. Okay. Give or take. Through through an aerator. Through, through. Um, Man, I'm gonna dry smell, but I get a little. I get a little. <sighs> The blends are always hard for me. Black. I, I smell the berry. The blackberry. It says black I cherry. Get, okay. And blackberry. Yeah, I was gonna say I get blackberry. I don't get as much of the cherry. Of course, little plums. You know, it's, it's it's winter. It's, it's just, like, yeah. Plum. Yes, I, I did think that when I well, actually, sure, like I said, I did have it January one. <laughs> and you said, who All said like dry it. already? I did. Okay, it definitely rates dry. Okay. Um, yeah, so. I get. I can just smell yeah. from the aroma nose. Like, it says bold, tannic, dry. The city. It is definitely. A, go ahead. Go ahead. No, nope, no, nope, you. So it, it's definitely silky. The the texture. Yeah. Smooth. It's good. Acidic on the front though. Yeah. You did. It definitely it bitters into like yeah. a, more of an acidic. I don't know. Like the finish isn't bad. It, yeah. For me, it's for as much as it punches on the front and the acidity and yeah. acidity, and then when it goes smooth to the back, like it's usually a lot. Some of the less expensive wines do the opposite. Usually they're a little fruity up front, and then it's like kind of harsh. On as far the as reds go, I typically enjoy more of a, a dry, extra dry, drier the better. Yeah. But so this is dry. I mean. Yeah. This the fact that it can go dry on the back. It does with an aged steak, you know, allow you to go. It doesn't have to just be a cab. But some of the blends that are yeah. drier, you can do with some bigger, bolder uh, red meat. Yeah, that, they, that's a lot of what they're saying. Surprisingly, one person threw it out. It and that's it. So. I was looking at some reviews. So one person threw it out. Said, "Man, I ate this with pizza, and it was amazing. I mean, drank this with pizza. Should we try a chicken meatball?" Nice. 
yeah. <laughs> chicken meatballs, you have chicken meatballs nearby. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what's great. What I always find great about the blends is the yes. fact that if you can't see this right now, Bill just left the table. Go get chicken, a little food chicken. tasting. Oh, he's bringing us some chicken meatballs oh, to the table. I always so, do a wine with a pairing. <laughs> so, so should we try, Chris? But with blends, um, are you? Thank you, sir. Um, for blends, I, I do think you can go in a broader array of meats versus just you know some of the you know more expensive calves that you really want to stick with like a, a bold red meat, um, bold steaks and that kind of thing. You can you can venture into some lamb, chicken, um, you know different oh different fishes very well. I, I actually when I eat sushi, I actually drink red wine with a lot of different types really? of sushi. Really, yes. it's not bad. There's a uh, um What's in those meatballs? So it's chicken, cranberry, and something else. There's some type of spice in them. Mm. She said, um, studio audience. Mm. Teriyaki. Teriyaki. Teriyaki, that's it. So that's going down yeah. your, um, you know, your Teriyaki Asian path with, <laughs> your Asian paths with red wine. Teriyaki and cranberry, that is an interesting combination on the chicken. Really Let's is. talk about the chicken for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was awesome. Hashtag Costco. Actually, I will tell you this. This does not drink like a $25 wine. I will tell you that. It's okay. punching way above it's what oh. we paid for it. Oh, well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What we well, we know at the retail, yeah. Yeah, it, it punches way above if that. If you are not signed up for winetax.com as a real estate agent, <laughs> you are missing out. Yeah. Blow that those commission. So, why was commission? Oh, no, gifts. Gifts for your clients. Or wine. Wine. Yeah. So, it also punches at a 14.7% alcohol. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is... Well, we might need more chicken balls over there. <laughs> <laughs> Bring on the chicken. Bring on the chicken. Awesome. All right. Mr. Yates had an interesting conversa- or, um, topic to have for conversation that you want to bring up on this episode. So a lot of times we talk about how to gamer clients, how to get clients. Very few conversations do we have regarding once you've negotiated the contract to take it contract to close. And there's certainly many hurdles throughout the contingency processes and, and even just, you know, getting the right attorneys or, or more importantly, the paralegals and closing department to make all that stuff happen as is the client has no idea. They show up and sign. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I personally... No, especially at the end of the year, I, I was sending out gifts and that kind of stuff to what I what I term vendor partners, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. People that help the transaction. Real estate agents got to understand that to get the transaction done, it's not just you. Like you are working with all those people you Absolutely. just mentioned, and it's important to have a good relationship and a good network of mm-hmm. you know people that you know are going to help facilitate getting it closed. So a lot of loops you got to run mm-hmm. through, a lot of hurdles. And, and the more people you know, and it could be anything from inspection, okay, well, there's a simple plumbing issue. Can you contact a plumber immediately and get that resolved? Or, you know, is it going to be a big issue? But um, obviously, the whole process from contract to close is uh, probably 90% of the work, in my opinion. Finding the right property, negotiating the price is probably well, let's be honest. the easiest part. Our buyers are already finding the properties. Right. They're on the internet. They're, they're, on Zillow. they're already finding the properties. So I, an agent in my office says all the time, he said, my work starts once we get it under contract. Right. Mm-hmm. Because negotiating, you're always within a range. Like 
you're either going to get the deal done or not. You know when you make that first offer if you're an agent whether you're going to get this deal done. I could just steal it. <laughs> you know, you might so have multiple offers at that point. He says, in our market. he says, my job as a real estate agent is to put out all the fires that happen from the time you go under contract to getting to that closing table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, well, I mean, it's right in line with what you're talking about today. Yeah. So, you know, do you guys. So, I don't necessarily have a closing department on my team or my brokerage. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much. So you are have, have yeah you are the agent is the closing department. department. Yeah. So now you're left up to the people you know as far as attorneys, paralegals, and honestly, I don't know about you guys. Attorneys are very important, but the paralegals, in my opinion, do all the work. So <laughs> make sure you have a very good communication between you and the paralegals. I was really wondering where you were going with that for a minute. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I thought, those paralegals yeah. they really don't work that hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like. Uh, this could get interesting. We see just, Bill yeah. exit the screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, t- we make sure we take care of those people that are near and dear to us. So um, that's first and foremost. And honestly, I, I've had the luxury of choosing and, and actually building a relationship with a great attorney and their paralegal staff to where I can run multiple, you know, 10, 20, 30 deals at a time. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, I forget about the deals or upcoming closings. Because I've been so so involved, I guess. I always tell my agents, you need four good partners. Every real estate agent needs four go-to partners, especially if you're working buyers. You don't necessarily need as much if you're working sellers, but you need an attorney's office slash paralegal. You need that relationship. You need a home inspector that's going to walk that line of making sure your buyer's not buying something that's bad, but also not over... Making them scared of something that's really not a problem. You need a mortgage lender, absolutely, that you can rely on to close on time. Huge. And you need an insurance agent. That might be the biggest part. Yeah, and you need an insurance agent that can make sure – because the mortgage lender and insurance agent go hand-in-hand because if the insurance comes in too high, it can throw off a mortgage, especially if somebody's tight or pushing their limits on buying a property. Over-insured and a lot of – do over yeah, so those are the four things. So, the, and those are the four people that take you from contract to close. Right? Those four people. Some of them play a bigger part than others, but they are the four people that take you. I agree with that. So, I want to add, and adding to that, the next step that I would say from real estate agents, and for whether you're a new agent or experienced agent, if you're experienced agent, you probably know this, is the aspect of of your job, like you said earlier, creating a frictionless transaction from contract to close to eliminate fires, like you said, and just create a smooth experience. So never forget that even though you have those vendor partners in place, your job communicating throughout that process, even, you know, concurrent with the inspection, concurrent with the paralegals, the lenders, and every step of the way, don't just hand your client off yep. and then expect like, and then show up at the closing table. True. You have, so, to be, you have to be in the constant communication through those processes with your vendor partner. If your mortgage lender is talking to your client more than you are, you're probably not running your process correctly. Mm-hmm. Now, they have to talk to your client a lot. So think about that for a second. They have to talk to it a lot. I know a mortgage lender that literally every Tuesday blocks his entire day to not only call all his clients, he also calls every real estate agent involved in the transaction, and he says he reaches out to the attorney's office. I don't know if he calls them all because the attorneys might get a little annoyed with him calling every Tuesday. But Yeah, right. I do so, get those calls on the other end. And, yeah. and, and the best news I can give them is, hey, we're, we're still on track. We're just you know mm-hmm. doing the natural 
affirmative action. But it's also explaining, I think a lot, especially if you're not dealing with an experienced real estate transaction buyer client, I think you need to be walking through, okay, this week, what's your, you should, what's your mortgage lender telling you? Okay. You can encourage, you can help your mortgage lender. Hey, get them that information. They're asking for it because this can hold something up. Like, and then you tell them also what you're doing. Hey, we're look. We need to be looking at this. Oh, you haven't gotten an insurance quote yet for your property. You need to get an insurance quote. Let me refer you to somebody. Like, so the biggest thing I've been working on most recently, I guess, is to tell my client what to expect before it happens. Therefore, there's no surprises. And just say, hey, listen, we've now negotiated what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare. We're going to send it to the attorney. They're going to contact you. They're going to ask you questions. You're going to be impressed. You're going to be present for closing. It's going to be a mail away, um, you know, with financing. Okay, now we're going to talk to them. We've got a pre-qualification letter. Here's the next steps. We're going to go on through underwriting just so to eliminate any surprises. And by the end of the closing date, they're all like they're, they're, they're happy, warm feeling and they, they feel like you're a magician, not, not a real estate agent anymore. That, that's best practices because what happens is it avoids you getting – it probably also stops you from getting that phone call while you're eating dinner. Oh, yeah. From your client asking what is all this for because you already prepped them. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, oh, great. I already anticipated this phone call. Yeah. Don't yeah. have to reach out. Eliminating surprises eliminates the friction and what – what I think a lot of real estate agents, like I said, especially if you get into the industry or you've been in for just one or two years, don't forget what has happened in our real estate industry over the last two decades is we went from providing information to providing service. We are no longer the gatekeepers of the MLS and the listings and what's yeah. on the market and that kind of stuff. Our job now is doing what you're doing, is providing that contract to close service of creating a frictionless transaction, smooth transaction, especially if you want the repeat business. I mean, if you want the repeat and referral business, mm-hmm. you have to do what you're doing. You have to be preemptive with all but that. But Chris, are you seeing agents start to rise to the top that are providing the higher level service I, at this I, point yet? I think I've seen, I do. I, I believe that the agents that provide the service and are branding and telling their story about how they provide the service or even better yet, having their clients, we're talking about like Facebook reviews, Google reviews and different client testimony through video and different content you can put out there as far as t- letting their clients tell the story of how great it was to work with this agent. That's, that's it. That's, what it was that's, that's yeah. how you, you know, four or five years into it, you should be running 70, 80% referral bases because mm-hmm. your clients are out there. They're, they're your biggest marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, use Chris Ward or use so-and-so. Um, I had the best experience. Yeah. So, so I, I, oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to move the conversation along. That's fine. To stay in our window of contract to closing. What is the biggest issue you typically face? Financing. Appraisers at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I've had Appraisers? more deals. Appraisers? 2020, appraisers yeah. have killed more deals for us. Which, really? Yeah. I find that almost impossible. No. By not coming in high enough or yeah. by putting stuff in the appraisal where they're not experts? In? Because our because at least in, in the couple contracts that we had that, that went through because of not um, – well, I, and I will say 2020, there were – I don't think these killed the deals. There were a lot of delays, obviously, like delays in, in closing, whether it be issues with COVID, being able to be in person, our state not passing legislation for um, uh, electronic notarization, which is ridiculous, South Carolina, by the way. Um, but in addition to all that, uh, appraisals 
coming in because the market's moving faster than the value perception is moving. Mm-hmm. So when our prices are, are escalating because of um, inventory issues and the, uh, I mean, the, we just had a lot of yeah appraisal deals. That got, it's not the appraiser's fault. They're, I mean, they're going off comps, but the problem is the comp has changed in a three to six month period drastically yeah. because of inventory shortage and buyer demand. See, I've actually ran into problems with their appraisers mentioning something in the appraisal that may not be 100% fact or outside of their line of expertise. That's delaying deals because now it's like, oh, I got to get an inspector to go back out and look at that. Right. The appraiser should have never mentioned it because it was already addressed in the inspection In report. the inspection at home. For yeah. Example. So it's like, guys, I, I know you're that. trying to be helpful, but if that ain't your, what you're hired to do. Right. Yeah. And, and I say financing because of the product type I sell. Yes. Uh, kind of hotels, it's, it's limited financing. Fannie Mae, they're not going to be able to touch that or buy the paper. And especially the intro of COVID in early 2020, there was a couple financial institutions that kind of just fell off and decided not to offer that product anymore. And the job issues yeah. in 2020. And, and, and that's Fine. another thing. But beyond, yeah, dude, go one step further, I want to say, because you're talking specific, your product. But I think financing is an issue in general when it comes to exactly what you're saying. People... How do we underwrite now where somebody was laid off because of COVID, but they really didn't lose their job? Or furlough. Yeah, 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 they're 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 coming back. Or how do we under or how do we underwrite in this environment of unknown? I think banks all pulled their lending requirements back. They were because they got scared. They got scared because nobody knew what the future was gonna happen. They saw the stock market and bond market plummeting and they're like, what are we gonna do in this situation? So I think that definitely It'd be kind of scary to see if, you know, we had a similar 2020 without that tightening of banks, how crazy the market would end up being. Yeah, the best thing was you can still watch HT, uh TV and um, <laughs> <laughs> wife was like, uh, income source, $600 relief. <laughs> and the same thing and budget 3.2 the, <laughs> the memes were plenty. The memes were plenty in 2020. Very entertaining to say the least. <laughs> Well, well, moving into 2021, like you said, definitely creating the frictionless, doing yep. the pre I agree with Bill as far as like, and let them let the client know what's coming down the pipeline before it even gets to them. And that's how you're going to get those referrals and repeat business yeah. is because you did your job on that end where the bulk, I believe, in the industry now is where the real estate agents, the successful real estate agent's job is lies, is that contract to close. Yeah. Absolutely. And then providing that service in there is really what the job's becoming. No, because the clients no, know right. what they're buying beforehand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a call today. It was like, I'm, I'm already going to look at this house, but, but tell me about like the rental yeah. income and like, like tell me the, yeah. the you know, get specific. Yeah. If I get, when I get it closed, this is what's going to yeah. happen. Right. Not just about he found the property. <laughs> so that's it. Happens. All right, guys. So David Arthur made a good blend <laughs> here. A good blend. I don't drink a lot of blends. And he, and he is a, he, he's kind of a famous winemaker and he, um, if you look at some of his other more specific wines, they really retail at a much higher price point. Right. So yeah, you're starting to get it came in, like you were you're starting to get that two hundred dollar bottle yeah, retail yeah. like oh, yeah. this yeah. Type yeah. Yeah. in that, that well. Way. So so we're we're, we're explorers line. We're Definitely. and we're drinking above our pig grade. <laughs> 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 Cheers, keep it classy. <laughs> we'll be drinking. Yeah.